0: episode 178 narcissism is with tiktok fame i'm your host dr justin trill and today we're kelsey phelan stratton perspective join 2017 and 18 podcast awards nominated host and best-selling author on amazon as we get a behind-the-curtain look at all types of doctor and guest specialties let's hear a doctor's perspective Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in again to A Doctor's Perspective. Our guest today does not disappoint. I mentioned TikTok in the episode title because she actually has a couple of videos that have gone viral. One is over 2 million views, and the topic is for about narcissism and getting out of a relationship. And we'll talk about how she plans her videos and was that her main goal and how to be entertaining but teaching at the same time and pivot that for her patient's so that'll be in the middle of the episode. We're also going to talk about uh, what is a narcissist and all of that and kind of go into detail so that way you can be aware of it for yourself, uh, for loved ones, and for patients. Mental health is important. We talk about that a good bit here on the podcast. Anyway, I think it's near and dear to my heart. It's important. It was my uh, undergrad degree and I read a lot of books on that. The books at the end or that are also on the show notes are going to be quite good. Before we hop in, the trilingual coloring books are actually I have a sample, 20 different pictures if you're interested in that for your waiting room for the kids in the practice. You can go to a doctorsperspective.net slash coloring. That's new. All of the past series that I've done that's like doctor-specific, the rehab one, etc. the top episodes of each year, book samples, the, the Amazon book list, all of those links are on one nice web page, even the affiliates that I recommend. So – That's a DoctorsPerspective.net slash guide. Please check that out. I just want to wish myself a happy birthday. I'm going to be 39. That is wild to me. But hey, people still think I look young. So I'm going to go with that. And I'm super excited just to kind of share a personal thing. I have a daughter. She's about to be three. We've moved to Germany. We were nervous about it. But she has just been excelling at daycare. And uh, the person there pretty much is who taught her German. So now she's trilingual as well. We couldn't be happier with that. It's amazing to see kids just be able to switch back and forth and to recognize like, hey, you're not speaking the language you're supposed to be speaking and then makes jokes about it. I know a parent talking about their kid on a podcast, but uh, it's pretty cool to see and proud dad. So, all right. All the show notes can be found as well as the transcript at a doctor's perspective dot net slash one seven eight. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live from Germany and St. Louis, we got a fantastic guest on the show. She is a undergrad in physical education, which is right up our alley, and then a master's in mental health. Well, and she's trying to get her master's in mental health and counseling with marriage and couples, but also already has a master's in social psychology. So I guess she really likes school a lot, and <laughs> uh, it's pretty cool. Like her videos are really entertaining on Instagram and TikTok, which is one of the main reasons why we have her on to talk about the topics that we're going to talk about. Uh, we're talking about from 400 followers to over 14,000 and over like a million views in just one video that she produces. So please welcome Kelsey Phelan Strotman. Hi. <laughs> How's
1: it going?
0: Going good, going good. Most people don't start out thinking that they're going to have huge hits, I think, with with TikTok and Instagram and all of this because we just were like, okay, we're small. We don't really know what we're doing quite yet. We have to build up into that. Maybe I'll get good after a year But some people find success pretty quickly. I would say that would be you, right?
1: Yes, that would be correct.
0: (laughs) And from the videos I've seen, a lot of it has to do with, I would say, not so healthy behaviors like codependency, narcissism, and and those types of behaviors, yeah? Yes, that's correct. Before we we jump in too deep, what's the uh, passion behind the physical education and then Switching over to mental health, because those are kind of different and a different path, I would say. Um, and then we'll just jump in from there, like, you know, why these two topics is, is hitting home so hard.
1: Yeah. So I got into physical education. I played sports my whole life, played softball in college, and I got injured a lot. So I spent a lot of time in uh, uh, physical therapy. And originally I wanted to get into physical therapy. School was going through a couple different uh, rehabilitation with a program. So I ended up with physical education and decided to become a personal trainer. And through my nine years now being a personal trainer, the one aspect that I've realized is missing from most of my clients' lives is the psychology aspect, is the psychological, just the psychological being of what it takes to make change in your life and realizing that factors outside of your life or environment decide, you know, not decides, but it really impacts where you move forward, how you move forward, what direction you're going, and if you accomplish your goals or not. So I decided to go into social psychology thinking that I wanted to do research. And I quickly realized my first statistics uh, class that I did not want to get into research (laughs) Um, and that sitting in front of a computer was not my forte. So uh, I decided to go back after I completed my master's in social psychology and I wanted to work with people more effectively. I wanted to learn how to give people the tools to help solve their own problems, take the next step in their life, and not just from a physical side, but from the mental side as well, because all of it is psychology.
0: So why not go to sports psychology?
1: As an athlete, former athlete, um, I just – I don't have what it takes to handle, I'll say, other athletes. I, It's a certain mentality as an athlete that you have to have and you have to understand in order to be able to advance somebody to the next part of their life. And while we're seeing now, especially like in the Olympics, like, you know, Simone Biles is uh, withdrew for mental health. I can't remember this golfer's name, but she uh, withdrew for mental health.
0: Tennis player did it.
1: Yeah. Tennis player. Yeah. And while sports psychology has a lot to do with mental health and that could be a great career path to go down, I've never been to those levels or had the desire to reach those levels. And Mm. I feel like I would not be leading the individuals who have that desire down the path that they would need to go down. So, I feel like I would do better with things that I understand more in terms of relationships and and in that realm. Because
0: that would be some kind of pressure to have to not even be able to fathom. Yeah, you're like, yes, Simone, you're the best, literally, in the world, probably. And then cameras are on you, and then you decide to bow out. And I understand. I think both sides of that story. Like, dude, this is what you're trained for. This is part of the Olympics. Like, this is. You're supposed to be able to overcome this kind of stuff. And then at the same time, I'm like, hey, you know what? If you know you're not probably going to be your best and you might cost your team a medal, the team. Right. Okay. Okay. Now, personal competitions after that, I think they said she might uh, still perform in. And you know, if you lose, you lose. I think that's, I mean, I don't know. Hopefully she'll compete in those to at least try and, and, and finish. So then at that point, I'm like, well, wait, at one point do you become a quitter? And what point do you say, okay, this is the biggest stage of my life. I need to just do it. Because, hey, it's going to be right. four more years before I can do this again. I might have an injury next week and never be able to play again.
1: Right. Well, and honestly, her, her age already, what she, she 24, I think, something like that? Something yeah, like, she's old. Yeah, for gymnasts and, at the yeah. Olympics, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and that's the other thing is I don't necessarily think, even think it's about her being a quitter. I think that at a certain point when you are the best and then everyone has these expectations of you, and it's not even just about those expectations of – you know, your team, but it's the advertisers, it's the uh, well, marketing companies, it's people using uh-huh. you to sell their products that if you disappoint them, if you're disappointing your family is, I mean, I, again, cannot even imagine that kind of pressure or weight on someone and then have it get in your head where you're the best and it's affecting your performance.
0: And Michael Phelps couldn't do that back in his day because he said he was struggling with all of that too. Like, that wasn't acceptable. 2021, it's acceptable. 2020, yeah, but not back then.
1: <laughs> right. And I mean, we look at, well, I mean, let's put them on the celebrity status because clearly that they are. It takes a certain type of person to be a celebrity, handle the press, cameras in your face. I mean, I think of Simone Biles, even just four years ago, or you know, how do you, how are you a kid, a teenager, and you got cameras in your face all the time? You know what I mean? Or,
0: how do you, Justin Bieber? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine, like, can you even imagine, oh. like, being that guy at, like, 17 and, like, always having somebody in your face? And you're like, dude, I'm 17. I don't know what I'm doing.
1: Right. Well, what, I, just,
0: I just do music and sing.
1: And we wonder why all these celebrities go through mental breakdowns. And, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it it's insane to the expectations that they have on them. I mean, athletes, celebrities, whoever, just the average day-to-day person, the expectations of your environment. Are monumental, and I, yeah, I can't even begin to describe what that would feel like.
0: This is why I think they always divorce. What is it, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, two mega alphas? Right. I can't imagine how those two get together and stay together <sighs> long term because you're so like, who are you? Who am I? I'm not cleaning that toilet. What? What? Well, <laughs> I don't think could... they can
1: afford housekeepers now at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> the they don't have the these
0: career. normal issues. <laughs> I just think of those types of people and I'm like, wow, it's got to be tough to do the normal relationship things because if there's that power dynamic change, I can imagine like if Brad Pitt just married some random girl. <laughs> well,
1: right. Well, um, I think the reason why celebrities like that is because work for at least as long as they did is because they understand each other. They understand the pressures. They understand just that environment. And whereas you know Brad mm-hmm. Pitt or Angelina and Joey marrying, let's say, the Joe Schmo off the street, no Joe Schmo understands what any of that means or uh, the life that they live or how to handle any kind of situations, you know,
0: and there's so, or even how to handle that kind of money. Well, <laughs> right. I mean, a, there's a certain responsibility when you kind of have that kind of money, like, right. You can do these things, but
1: right. Exactly. I mean, just the politics of it all, the psychology of it all, the it's, it's intense. You have to have someone who understands you to be successful, like, to have a successful relationship.
0: Oh, I think this is a great bridge. (laughs) I think of some of these actors and actresses, and I think, my goodness, the ego in these people would fill a room. Right. And (laughs) just because they're famous doesn't mean they have anything to actually strive for personally, because they could be completely narcissists. They could have been completely abused as a child or in their previous relationship before they got big, uh, codependent. So, what are some of these definitions that we're talking about right here and we can get away from from celebrities and just go down to like <laughs> normal relationships but I think that's a decent bridge.
1: Yeah, so I mean there's there's a lot of criteria uh for narcissism, lack of empathy, excess attention, admiration, um uh, almost feeling dissatisfied uh with your general life, um you can have bouts of anger when you're not getting your way, um always wanting to be a center of attention. I mean, there's a whole lot there when it comes to narcissism that it really is just about self obsession and believing that you are superior to others. Whereas codependency Mm -hmm. is people pleasing. Codependency is not being able to function without said other person. Um, using like a narcissist, for example, will util, uh, utilize someone who's codependent because that codependent person will do anything that they can to please that narcissist. Whereas that codependent person doesn't realize that narcissists cannot be satiated because they get off on doing whatever they can to or whatever they can get out of you as a codependent. So it's just mm. it becomes this never ending cycle uh, where narcissists are constantly trying to find codependents or people pleasers or people just who have high levels of empathy who aren't great at setting boundaries. Narcissists know no bounds. And so they will do whatever they can. They will gaslight you. They will make everything to be your fault and not take responsibility for their own actions and how their actions affects others.
0: And if you give, they were like, oh, great. And then now they expect that, and then they're like need more, and then more and more, and so they—that's what you mean. Like there's never an end to what they will request from people, too.
1: Correct. And the biggest thing that people don't realize with narcissists is they usually start off with what's called love bombing. Now, love bombing is they come into your life, and it's that, that storybook love at first sight. It's they're doing all of these things, they're saying all these things, they're telling you you're, they're your soul, you're their soulmate. They've never felt this way. And they're bringing the flowers and the chocolates and setting up this expensive dates and this and that. But as they're doing that, they're subtly slowly doing things that are like giving negative, com- like it's called negging, like negative compliments. Like normally I don't like girls in glasses, but they look good on you and blah, 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 but they use it. They use things like that as they go. And then they, they just slip a switch. And then that person who thinks, Oh, I found my soulmate. Thinks now they've done something wrong to make the narcissist now be mean to them or be upset or be all this and has nothing to do with them, and so it's it's such a tricky situation uh, when it comes to that relationship dynamic.
0: Ah, uh, because they were seeing like I am I am everything to this person and all of a sudden you're not. Ah, yeah, that's the switch. You're like, wait, what just happened? What am I doing wrong for this person to not treat me the way they were treating me? And at this point, if you don't, if they're really good, they'll get you hooked and married at this point? Or?
1: I mean, it's, it varies based on, based on the relationship. So let's say, for example, that, uh, I meet a narcissist and for, for a couple months, it's heaven on earth. It's storybook. It's great. Um, and then, like we said, they kind of flip a switch. Well, now I think I've done something wrong. So I'm doing everything that I can to fix something that's not even broken, something that was never there to begin with. And I just keep trying and I keep trying and I keep trying. And that narcissist will then kind of give like little breadcrumbs and then something big will happen, like some kind of blow up, some kind of fight. And then they're okay. And then they love bomb for a little bit and then they withdraw and then they love bomb and then they withdraw. And then the cycles just become shorter and shorter and shorter. And so usually when they get someone hooked into marriage or something of that nature, it either after a long time of just that constant abuse, that constant cycling, or it's right away, right in the beginning when everything is great. Everything is wonderful. And they just want to make sure they have you hooked right away. And then Mm. once you're hooked, that's when that abuse kind of start, that abuse starts because now they have you. And
0: this is like that honeymoon beating. And you're like, surely he must have beaten you before you got married. And you're like, no, it's the first time And you're like, were there signs? Surely there were signs. Right.
1: Right. What's terrible is people who don't understand that abuse, they're quick to judge it, which I mean, it's human nature. It's, you know, like you just said, there's got there had to be signs, you know, there had to be signs. And there's
0: he yelled at you because the, the chicken wasn't cooked all the way.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, literally that that stuff happens, And it's like it's normal to think that, OK, well, I did undercook the chicken. Like maybe he had a bad in a normal person's relationship. That might be OK. My husband had a, my husband had a bad day. I undercooked the chicken. He took his frustration out on me, but then he apologized in, in, a, in a healthy relationship, mm-hmm. let's say.
0: Yeah, like he yelled at you or something.
1: Yeah. And now let's take that into a narcissistic perspective. Same same situation. Narcissistic guy has a bad day. Wife undercooks the chicken. He yells at the wife. He doesn't apologize, though. He blames her then, and he wouldn't have had an outburst if the chicken wasn't undercooked. So therefore, it's her fault. So then she feels bad, and then she tries just to continually make up for it. Whereas in the healthy relationship, the woman may be like, Hey, you don't yell at me. We don't yell at each other. I understand you had a bad day, but we don't do this. That's a boundary. That's a boundary that's crossed, you know? And so, mm-hmm. and again, this can be men or women. I'm just specific, I'm just using men right now in this example, but it does, yeah, Gender yeah. doesn't matter here. Yeah. So it's, it's, it happens so fast and it, there's no warning.
0: So you're on eggshells all the time, all the time. Cause you start to realize like, it could be anything like,
1: Oh yeah. And
0: then I guess that's gonna be that crazy. Like, Hey, I didn't look as pretty as you're expecting today. And so now yes, they'll say some crazy stuff about, yeah, like, you're trying to like make me not happy and not love you or want you to, you know, or, or something like that. I was going to take you out, but look at you. I can't take you out like that. Yes. You can embarrass me.
1: <laughs> exactly. I mean, if, okay. So crazy stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, and it's things that when like in a, again, in a healthy relationship, if, if a man or woman said that, to their significant other they would be like okay i'm not talking to you to the rest of the night like what are you why are you treating me this way but Uh again it's it's just strategic manipulation that is executed in a specific way to make you question your own reality it's that gaslighting Mm -hmm. that i may then say why are you treating me this way and then the narcissist may say Oh, I just had a bad day. I'm sorry. You look fine. I just, I really wanted, I was really hoping that you would wear the red dress because you just look so beautiful in it. And then, therefore, I might be like, okay, well, I can wear the red dress. Why wouldn't you just suggest that? Like, I'll go get that. I'll go, I'll go change. Again, sounds real simple, right? Mm -hmm. Well, then from that point on, the outfit that that person had on prior will always have a negative effect in that person's head because they're not going to want to wear that outfit again because their husband wife whatever didn't like it now now it's something negative so again it's little things like that that are like okay well that's reasonable he had a bad day wish i would have wore the red dress but he just didn't tell me so i'm gonna go change it's those little things that make such a big difference because it seems so simple
0: in a healthy way we could have just been saying oh you're wearing the green dress oh i was hoping you were gonna wear the red dress tonight because we're gonna go da 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 you could still approach – like if you wanted your wife to change, you could still approach it differently right? probably ahead of time. Like, hey, maybe we could wear the red dress and I can match with you or something like that if you really wanted to see her in that sexy red dress for some reason.
1: Right, exactly. And it's just – it's really all about communication and the those little tells. And when something doesn't feel right or something doesn't seem right, it, it usually isn't right. It's when – I can't, I can't stress it enough.
0: Does the other person know? Is that the problem? Like the other person is not like aware of it at the time or their friends aren't able to be like, Hey, do you see what's going on?
1: Well, and, and again, every situation is different, but that's also how a narcissist will then friend separate you from your family. So let's say the, a friend does notice something and does say something. And then me being in, you know, in, in that spot, let's say I'd be like, no, like that's not right. Like you, it's it's crazy. You just, you just don't like this person or, you know, whatever. And then later I would tell my boyfriend or husband, you know, what my friend said. And then he would say, see, they just don't want us to be together. I don't know why this person doesn't like me. I've never, I've never uh, done anything to them. I mean, usually narcissists in society are the most charming people you'll ever meet. And Mm. the other people around you would never think that that person is the way that they are behind closed doors and that's also how Mm. they get you to think that you're crazy because if you do let's say say something to someone about it and they're like really i never thought that so and so would do that or i don't know like maybe you're just reading into it maybe you know it it becomes your friends and your family are also questioning you because they don't see it
0: Mm -hmm. they hide really good yeah is there differences between men and women so we've kind of been bashing on guys but I'm what sorry, do women I'm do? Are sorry. they? <laughs>
1: so
0: I'm what are sorry. these women? What do you got to look out for? Are they like withholding sex all the time or I something? Know, or I
1: know. <laughs> um, honestly, it doesn't really matter gender-wise. To be honest, I mean, all of these traits that we've been discussing occur across the spectrum, men, women, trans, whatever. It's really about the manipulation that is the problem. So for women, for example, let, yeah, so let's say that you have a narcissistic woman. So she may come across as jealous. She may try to control her husband, boyfriend's behavior. Let's say when they go out, she may like, let's say he goes up to the bar to get him some drinks and there's a girl next to him, and literally the conversation, like, he may actually bump into her and say, oh, I'm so sorry, and she may be like, oh, no problem, that may be the extent of the conversation, let's say that narcissistic woman sees that conversation, she may then lash out at him and say, oh, you're trying to flirt with other girls, you're trying to do this, trying to do that, then making the, or trying to embarrass me, you know, making mm-hmm. him feel like I do something wrong by just Saying, I'm sorry to this other girl because I bumped into her. And again, healthy relationship would be like, um, I didn't do anything wrong. I bumped into her. I apologize. Healthy relationship say, Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Like, it, well, in a healthy relationship. would do you say? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's just, it's, it's all about the manipulation of an event that happened from a different perspective. And they use, they often use psychology to be able to manipulate you. So again, when, life is all about perspective. In this perspective, he knows what happened. He knows there was no intent there. When she says, it looked like you were flirting with her, blah, blah. He then questions, well, how, how did I say it? What did she say? Did she touch me? Like in the sense that she touched my arm say, Oh, it's okay. How did that, how may that look to her? You know, we question Mm -hmm. our own reality because people who are empathetic don't want to hurt other people's feelings. We want to try to see everything from, a various various perspectives, different worldviews, in order to, not necessarily not to offend someone, but just to have a greater grasp on multiple realities. You know, my reality is different from your reality, but we can agree on if we see something, certain facts are true, certain facts are false. You know what I mean? But how we interpret it has to do with, I mean, your mood it has to do with how you grew up, it has to do with all kinds of things. So, I mean something as simple as that can be just crazily misinterpreted for control.
0: Are there any common traits that you find uh, growing up, whether it's like a parental, certain type of parenting style, like the father, the mother, or like early relationships that could set someone up to either be a codependent or narcissist?
1: There, I want to be careful with, with that because all parents – I shouldn't say – okay, let me rephrase that. Not all parents. I would say most parents – They want. They're doing the best that they can, and so let's say that you have, in general, a healthy, child, healthy family. But let's say they're maybe in a lower socioeconomic area. Let's say you have a single mom, single dad. You know, either way, you have Mm -hmm. two kids. They don't have a whole lot of money, but that mom or dad is working all the time. Therefore, they're not necessarily they're giving their child the attention that they need, and therefore, because that child is not. Getting that attention that they need, they develop a narcissistic type of personality. They want to be the center of attention. They want to be heard. They want attention. So they want admiration. They want that love that they're not necessarily receiving. Now, it's not in a malicious way from the parent by any means. So that's one way that that can develop in that sense. Um, Let's say in another sense that you have a mother or father who is narcissistic, that child's needs then becomes secondary, third maybe even last to whatever that parent wants. So then you have Mm. that codependency developing in the child or you have narcissism in the child because the codependent, the codependency that may involve in a child in that sense, they want to constantly please that, that narcissistic parent. They're constantly looking for that acceptance, that, that love, but it's not there. And then on that flip side, when you have a child that, becomes more narcissistic because of narcissistic parent. It's, it's just that cycle. It's just that cycling behavior.
0: When they model what they've seen.
1: Exactly. It's, it's classic behaviorism.
0: And I was thinking alcoholic mom or dad, whatever Mm -hmm. you got a kid. Well, they know, Oof. if dad's come home with a certain type of attitude, if I do something wrong, he's going to hit me or hit, hit the wife. So you learn how to always that kid's playing the role that they have to play so that they can be as happy as that they can be in that toxic environment. Right. And I guess that's, it could come, turn out turn to all kinds of different behavioral issues. Oh
1: my gosh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> as they grow up.
1: Yeah. I mean that, yeah, that's all, I mean, there's so. Pick your flavor. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the fact that you, you just can said. can more than one. The fact that you just said, pick your flavor is hilarious. Cause my TikTok that went viral, I had uh, one of the lines in there was, all the flavors. <laughs>
0: uh, okay, I'll
1: just, I'll, I'll describe that in a minute, but yeah. it um, it, it, there's just a whole mess of different behavioral issues. Like you just said, that can come out of any of those, any of those situations. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I am curious because I don't want to have you here all day. Respect your time, of course, but yeah. So that's how I actually found you was through TikTok and you have these funny videos. Uh especially like the last, I don't know, week or two, it's kinda of what's fresh in my head with uh you're playing the girl, you're playing the guy with this like fresh relationship out of a narcissist this relationship and just basic things and the guy's like, um yeah, you can still come over. Like you're on your period, it's fine, like we don't always have to fool around. You're like, Oh, okay, well, I normally have to stay home with this other guy. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was one of the ones I just thought like, yeah, that's that's pretty true and accurate. But how did this develop? What were some of the top videos that you did or what – what are you learning? Because this part of this podcast is also about marketing. It's about keeping relationships healthy actually. Um, we always ask that question. And But, yeah, so let, let's jump into like marketing because this is going to be great for you a, now as an you know, influencer and getting products and money and views and all that. But at the same time, building a clientele potentially in the future through people that appreciate your type of videos.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks. I started on Instagram really trying to figure out how to build a following. And I followed um, this guy named Brock Johnson because he talks about Instagram growth and he's entertaining. And so as I kept trying to do, figure out different ways of going about things, I literally, I was just, I I was sitting on the couch and I was thinking of different ways I could do stuff. And I realized Snapchat has a whole bunch of filters and one of them's a guy and like just with a beard. And so what I decided to do was I had this scenario in my head and I'm like, I experienced a narcissistic relationship personally, which also drives my motivation. And um, I'm like, you know what? I could, I could just use my own experiences and I could just play both sides of what a healthy relationship looks like and the anxiety that I faced in the healthy relationship of, oh, I, oh, no, I don't do that. Oh, oh, okay. This, that, that's how this is supposed to go. And so I, yeah. I just, I go on Snapchat and I'll record it and then I'll just save. And then just compile it in, in TikTok and I'll compile it or Instagram reels and it just kind of came together. So now I just write down any, all these ideas and people tend to like it, I guess. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. I mean, literally like I was telling you earlier, one my video that went viral was me uh, getting ready and I was, and I missed a phone call and panicking in panic. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. I can't, I'm so sorry. And I'm like explaining myself and explaining myself. And the guy that goes like, Whoa, it's all good. I just wanted to know what kind of ice cream you wanted. And she's like, ice cream, really? And he's like, yeah, it's all good. When you didn't answer, I just got all, I just got all the flavors. And that's, I'm like, all the flavors. And he's like, yeah. So see you in a bit. And I was like, "Uh, uh, okay, see you in a bit, you know? And I mean, it was so simple. And I'm like,
0: you're like, this is what went viral. This is what they've been teaching me.
1: Right. I'm just like, how is this the one that went
0: viral? It was viral. A million views?
1: Uh, I think it's up to 2.9 million views.
0: 2.9 million views. Yeah. Has this created any buzz for you for you like influencing status or like pitching products and those types of things? I mean, I,
1: I can. I haven't I haven't quite applied to do that yet. Mostly because I'm afraid I. There's, there's a psychology aspect there. I'm a little afraid that if I like go to apply for a creator fund on TikTok, that all of it's just going to go away. Like, no, but um, I, I mean, I, I will, I'm just, I'm having so much fun doing these. And um, I have a couple other videos that almost have a million views that I think is pretty awesome. And I have a couple of videos that I'm going to do later after this. And it's just, it's just fun to be able to be creative and something that, so it's so silly, but it's on such a serious, relatable topic. And I'm just excited that I thought about doing it.
0: <laughs> so I think one of the your planning is actually writing down like this is, you know, brainstorming for, I don't know, 30 minutes, 10 minutes, brainstorming ideas. And then like these are good. And then you can kind of play out like a script or not really a script, but at least what you would want to cover. And then like, OK, let me do a few takes to see what would actually be funny or entertaining.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm. Trying to figure out how um, how to sign out or do them like somewhere else. And I'm like, I feel like doing this at the grocery store would be a little odd, but I'm building some confidence to it. But yeah, like you're just saying, coming up with the ideas and just writing them down and having a process and then putting that out there is the, I mean, the best marketing strategy that's worked for me so far. I mean, I've had so like I said earlier, I'm a personal trainer and I've had members at the gym come up to me and say, "Your TikToks are hilarious." I'm like, "You're on TikTok." What?
0: Because <laughs> yes. awesome. a lot of people that see that, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I literally when my that video went viral, my coworker came up to me and goes, "Dude, your TikToks are awesome." I'm like, "Yeah, it's got, it's got a lot of views." And he's like, "How many views does it have?" And I told him, and he, "Yes, that's so awesome." He's telling my other coworkers, and I'm looking at him I'm like, "Dude, chill. It's okay. Like, yeah. I, it's okay." <laughs>
0: You can buy me a coffee if you want. Right,
1: yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm glad you're excited. I, I mean, it just. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'll take your next client if you want. I mean. Right, seems... right.
1: So, yeah, it's, I mean, when there's so many people out there that have experienced narcissistic relationships and others around you don't understand because they haven't experienced it, it it can be a little isolating. And so it's great that in this community on Instagram, TikTok, that you can find and empathize with so many other people that are like oh my gosh I struggle with this too and
0: they may not even know.
1: yeah yeah they
0: just cut talked it up as like there's a really weird bad relationship that I'm glad I got out of and it's a story that they had and like oh that was a thing
1: right. <laughs> exactly it's uh, yeah I'm just I'm just so happy that people are liking what I'm doing and that I'm I, I wanted to I needed to find a creative way to be able to get that message out there because people want to be entertained they, I mean, they want to learn, but it's almost secondary to being entertained. And if the learning can happen while they're enjoying what they're watching or what they're doing, then it then it's worth it.
0: Well, kudos because you know how many people want to do what you're doing and are just like, how do I make this fun? You know, yeah. they see the Instagram people, they buy the courses and they're like, well, what am I supposed to do that would be entertaining to talk about, you know, child rearing or codependency and all this kind of stuff? You're like, how do I even make that entertaining that people would want to follow me? Because, I mean, as a chiropractor, as a physiotherapist, probably even what you're doing, there's a lot of good videos out there. Oh, yeah. And they're all between, like, three to seven minutes. And I'm like, I'm not on TikTok or Instagram to watch your seven-minute video about low back pain right. stretches with TheraBand balls or whatever. Yeah. But if it was quicker, I mean, sometimes even a minute, it seems long with these things. But maybe I'm just being impatient. <laughs> with just some topics.
1: No, no. Honestly, I mean, this, like <laughs> – there. I mean, honestly, statistics show that if there's some – if you're watching something – and it doesn't get your attention in seven seconds you'll move on. Seven seconds. Most likely it's shorter than that. Like in the first two seconds you have decided if you're gonna continue watching this for at least another few or if you're gonna scroll. And it might not even be that it you're not interested in it, but that's why we have that save button on uh on Instagram because sometimes we're not in the mood we're just not in the mood for it yet.
0: You know? Yeah, it looks really good, but I don't wanna do that right now. I'm I'm in the middle of doing this. I don't need to learn about pure form of stretching at the moment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. And I mean, I would say that the biggest thing is follow you know, following people that you're interested in learning from that grab your attention. So when people are trying to figure out, like you said, well, how do I do this? Well, look at the people that you're following. Why are you following them? And what is it about them that attracts you? to their material because there's thousands of people out there who are bikini models or, you know, we're looking at this exercise or this person stretching or, you know, whatever, or I'm following this person's podcast or, you know, all of that. But why there's thousands of people talking about the same topics, talking about the same things, but you chose this person. And so it's asking yourself those questions and say, okay, well, I am attracted to this type of entertainment. So I need to then, also be delivering that type of entertainment because those are my people those are the people i'm trying to reach
0: and it's not wrong right if you like the straight up serious a plus b equals c then be a plus b c be that but if you like gag reels and things that you do and and play on i guess, I don't know if you would call that like acting yeah like, uh, yeah then do it yeah. try it out you're gonna suck probably at first but uh don't worry; these things disappear pretty quick.
1: <laughs> hey, my dra- my uh, my middle school drama teacher would be proud, so I'm excited about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I
1: mean, honestly, for me, so like me saying all that is, there's this one psychologist uh, named Dr. Julie Smith, and I believe she's in England, but I've been following her for for a while now, and she you know, started just doing you know, normal like informative videos, and within the last like few months, she started just incorporating not necessarily acting, but acting out her metaphors. So for example, she, in one of her most recent ones that just off the top of my head, she had an apple and a cookie and she was talking about goals and she was talking about achieving goals and, and making behavioral change happen, like make uh, changing habits. And so she's like, well, you know, look, this is the cookie. This is what we do now. This is what we want. And we're trying to switch to the apple. And if we're constantly craving the cookie, if we constantly want the cookie, the apple is never going to be a permanent change because we don't view the apple as important or as desirable as the cookie. And therefore, when you're looking at your goals from where you are now to where you want to be, if the apple is where you want to be, it has to be more desirable than where you are right now. And so just the acting out of that metaphor visually, what I'm like, that's what I need. Like I need visual representation of what I'm trying to get across. And that's how I came up with this idea to do the whole filter Snapchat deal
0: Ah, that's great then. That should be a really big take-home, I think, for a lot of people. I always say listen, think, and implement. This could be something to implement is really trying to find out who are you watching. And even if you're like, I don't really follow anything in my field because sometimes you just want to break from your day-to-day reality. Yeah. Okay, well then what do you find yourself scrolling? You know what I mean? Exactly. Unfortunately, I got into pranks. You know, like people that do silly things, like they're walking down the street and they'll just say crazy stuff. Yeah. And I guess I got into it for like a couple of like a week or two. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, no, my algorithm has changed. <laughs> so I'm watching this stupid crap that is <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, I got I to gotta look at more stuff to like mess it up and get back to fit the, the, the things that matter. But I'm like, I'm watching it. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. Oh, that's funny. And so if I keep yeah. note of this, it's like, all right, there could be ways to incorporate this if I really try to uh, to do it for like chiropractic or whatever.
1: Absolutely. Without
0: having girls in bikinis and
1: breaking <laughs> their necks on TV. Right. Exactly. Have, having that break of just again figuring out what you like to watch and all all the different kinds of things, different realms, you know, whether it's people falling or people saying different things or stretching or whatever it's nice. It's nice to have that uh, that diversity because the content you put out there is diverse. I mean, your podcast is diverse. I mean, it's geared toward doctors, but at the same time, we're talking about all different kinds of topics and all different kinds of life perspectives and it's just what you're trying to put out there is educational but it's fun you know and so Mm -hmm. it's we want that everyone wants that for their life something that's educational and fun and so again just that methodology and the delivery is what's important what attracts us to doing what we do
0: yeah do you have to be licensed in every state that you would want to have clients in you know if you if you're doing a lot of tiktok and people start figuring out like oh she actually is a mental health counselor person huh
1: Uh, Each state has their own guidelines and has their own credentialing. And so there are certain states that work with each other. Every state has their has their thing. And it's more just about if if I have a client in Oregon who wants to talk to me, I have to look at their laws and Missouri's laws and how that and how that goes. I'm sure like the National Counseling Board would be able to weigh in on that. I mean, their local state counseling boards would be able to weigh in on that and the good thing about covid i'll say and and just the use of the internet with telehealth being more prevalent now it opens up a whole new area that i don't know that national counseling society has has addressed yet or maybe maybe in the process of addressing and that is exactly nobody
0: wanted to address that
1: right, <laughs> right? But it's exactly
0: they're the like no just keep it in louisiana and louisiana only that's it i know
1: i know i know It it does allow to be able to do that. And so I'm one, I'm curious if in the next year or two years, if we'll see any kind of regulations put in place for online counseling out of state, Mm -hmm. I'd be interested if they would start incorporating that because then technically we can reach more people. And from a marketing perspective, I mean, why not?
0: Like for chiropractic, it's mostly just jurisprudence. What are you allowed or not allowed to do? Right. Not every state's like that. They might have actual more requirements and I know I think North Carolina had a one of the one of our boards you have to have a certain score on top of everything else. So, hey, you might have a good score but you didn't have the score that they needed, so you would have to retake your test to practice there. What do you think about this? It's about it's very popular right now for more and more people to just go cash and to get out of the insurance game because why not actually make 90 bucks an hour instead of making 45? Yep. <laughs> with all the write-offs. Yep. Is that difficult? You know, I was watching a video. A guy saw somebody out of, with a fancy like Lamborghini, and it was a, it was a bunch of ladies. And he's like, "Hey, what do you do?" And of course, some were like, "I'm a housewife," <laughs> but then a lot of them were like, <laughs> you know, "But oh the ones that he, <laughs> but the rest, Dubai. I'm a counselor. I'm a counselor. I'm like, dude, what are the hourly rates to be able to afford that type of car? You know? Yeah. Um. So I was just thinking, oh, maybe it's one of those things that depend on where you live or the client can tell you're looking for and you could charge those higher rates or at least command a, a fee and not have to worry about billing and all that kind of stuff. But do y'all have groups to help you with that?
1: So it really it just depends. Someone owns a private practice. So a counselor who's driving a Lamborghini most likely has their own private practice. And they most mm. likely have a number of doctors working underneath them or counselors working underneath them to where they're benefiting from that as well. But so many different good things and pros and cons to, Having your own practice versus working, you know, for somebody. And one of them is the payout. But let's say that I'm I'm getting forty, I'm taking home forty-five dollars an hour versus the ninety. I know that going in, I don't have to worry about my insurance. I don't have to worry about billing. I don't have to worry about filing or doing you know what I mean? I don't have to only thing that I have to worry about is myself getting into work by client, doing my case notes, that kind of stuff. But if you own your own practice, oh, so you're
0: assuming that you're working in a clinic. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Sorry, sorry. I apologize for not clarifying. But yeah, yeah, that, that would be a person working in a clinic. Um, now let's say that I'm somebody who owns my own private practice. I can determine what I charge. I can determine if I want to charge $90 an hour, or if I want to charge $250 an hour. It also depends on again, the demographic and the area that you're working in. Someone who's working for a nonprofit or has started up a nonprofit in an inner city is going to be taking insurance versus going to be taking cash or they may take cash, but you know what I mean? It's, it's just a whole different. both are two totally different positives and two totally different negatives. And so it really is just based on how much effort you want to put in to making that extra money. If you want your own private practice,
0: who you want to serve,
1: right. And who you want to serve exactly what your goals are.
0: Because I mean, I've heard podcasts where people are always after the the most affluent. Anybody who makes over eighty-five thousand or one hundred and twenty-five thousand, that's what we want to get for because they have the disposable income, blah blah blah, and they charge high rates, blah blah blah. But then there's people that do cheap, affordable rates so the middle class can get it, or even potentially poor people can get it. And then they're like, but they both have problems. Mm-hmm. You got the attitude of the rich people, and you got the attitude of the poor people. And it really, is, it depends on who you want to serve and who you want to help because at a certain price range, you kind of knock out one or the other. If it's really cheap, rich people don't probably want to go to you, and if it's too expensive, then of course the poor people can't afford you more than like maybe one or two treatments, and you're like, well, that's not gonna be enough anyway. So maybe just go down the street and save your money.
1: Right. It, it's just like when you're picking a specialty, right? You decided you want to be a chiropractor instead of going into medicine, instead of going into like the medical field where you're, pers- you know, in in that Indeed. direction. Yeah. If I, you know, if I decide as a counselor, I'm choosing marriage, counseling, uh, family and couples versus going to a psych ward and wanting to counsel people who are strictly dealing with depression, strictly dealing with suicidal thoughts. You know, it's, it's all about the niche you're trying to focus on. And when you, for example, if I'm going to more affluent area, I may still be, let's say, let's and let's say I'm working with depression. I may be working with people who are depressed in that area. Their depression is still real and the same as someone who is from a lower class area, but the problems, like you said, are different. And so it's really about what type of person do I want to be dealing with from a day to day? And like you said, being in the middle, it doesn't necessarily it isn't necessarily going to attract both. Having a moderate price doesn't mean that you're going to have more people. It really is about the effectiveness of your counseling or of your chiropractic work, or you know, it, it's word of mouth, it's advertising, it's if somebody likes your personality, it's it's so much more than just what you're charging and and who you want to work with, what your goal is, and who you want to reach.
0: Do y'all have like a enough time to figure that out? You know, like in medicine, you can you, you do rounds and you're like, I think I'm gonna like this, <laughs> <laughs> and so you apply for it and you're like, uh oh. I hate orthopedics. Uh-oh, what do I do now? Like, I hate depression. Just get over it. Jeez. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, you find out like these people are just making me depressed. So right. then you're like, all right, what do I do now? Like, is it, are you stuck? Or do you have to like go through the whole program again to do marriage counseling instead of depression and anxiety? Which I'm no. sure they all go together, but...
1: No, well, so like in clinicals, for example, so like the last nine months of our training is, is this whole clinical work. And so basically... You're working with a variety of people who have different uh, things going on. So you may cover some marriage and family counseling. You may cover some depression. You may cover just, just a whole different realm of of issues. Someone with anxiety, and through that you can kind of you can kind of figure out what you like, what you don't like. And let's say that you know some some people, for example, they let's say they like working with people who have anxiety and they may do that for five years and then they may start to get burned out and through continuing education classes also you 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 get to pick and choose what you want to continue to learn about or what you're interested in so then you may find that you may you may shift your work a little bit or you may start taking on clients instead of just having anxiety you may start taking on clients who marriage counseling clients or you know whatever and it really just depends on again if you have your own practice or, or if you're looking towards your own practice or if you're at a practice so if you're at a practice that manages anxiety you may have to go somewhere else you know so similar it,
0: it can come to the point where you're like oh no i've been doing the same thing for so many years that's what i'm known for but i hate it now oh boy <laughs> do i keep going or do you change it and that's a tough that's sometimes that could be a tough thing you know
1: that can be a really tough thing and and i can't speak on that but too I, early but yeah too early but I can say I've been trainer, a personal trainer for nine years, and I'm trying to make this switch into counseling. So I think it really comes from just knowing yourself and knowing people. And if you're making that change, like, oh, I'm really good at this. People know me for this. But if they know that I'm good at this and I'm going to switch to this, they may also follow me there. I mean, and again, it depends on if you're just As a counselor, if you're going from one area of specialty to another area of specialty versus me, how I was just describing, you know, a change in career, you know, it's Mm -hmm. that trust in the person that you're working with and like, okay, well, now I know of someone who is really good at what they do in general and cares about people to go there.
0: Last two questions. You ready? Yeah. Any books that you would recommend to people based on the topics that we've discussed, everything from narcissism to uh, how to get. A thousand followers on Instagram.
1: (laughs) Okay. We can go the whole topic on that one. All right. So I there I have a whole bookshelf of books that I have read partially and read none of yet, but two books that I'll say have really impacted my perspective. First one, The Sociopath Next Door. Oh my goodness. It lays out just statistics some statistics about how many sociopaths out there there really are. What a sociopath is a narcissist person, narcissistic personality is how to identify, you know, things we talked about, you know, how to identify Mm -hmm. certain things. And it was just, it was entertaining and it was logical and it was rational and it was informational. The other one Mm -hmm. that I would recommend would be, it's called the body keeps score. And it talks about how trauma impacts the body, the mind and how, it plays out in your everyday life. So trauma could be as severe as physical sexual trauma from when you're a kid to just the narcissistic stuff that we're talking about now. A narciss being in a narcissistic relationship or experiencing a tornado or you know whatever trauma means to the person. How, it, how if it impacts you in a negative way, uh, it talks about PTSD, it talks about how your body react to those psychological issues talks about when PTSD was first labeled in the DSM. And it talks about just so many different things, how people vary in you and I can experience the exact same event, say a car accident, and you and I will come out with completely different experiences and how it affects us from here on out Our different triggers. It talks about what triggers are it talks. Oh, just I could talk all, all day on it, but
0: yeah it sounds like a nice primer course if you don't know much about this, but this seemed intriguing. you could really learn a lot from just reading that book
1: it's a It's a heavy book I will say it's it's a lot of information it is heavy to read just i mean not it's not a very big book, but it's just eye opening and it's
0: mm-hmm.
1: i think I ran out of a highlighter just in the first third of the book, you know. <laughs> I like, yeah. This is important. This is important. This is important. Um, things that I want people to know that when someone says that they're they're getting triggered, their anxiety is being triggered. They're having a panic attack. They're having an anxiety attack over something simple. They, they walk into a bar and see something, hear something that just clicks. It's not something to take lightly and no one is doing it to get attention. And it's it's just it's great. I'd
0: recommend it. Perfect. So the final piece, no, it's great. It gives a reason, some people a reason to get the book. Uh, it'll be on the uh, our, our book list. I have an Amazon book list that I keep from all the guests. So it's a doctorsperspective.net slash book list. Hers will be on it. Last question is, we're talking about all this crazy relationship stuff, but how do we actually keep our relationship healthy? Any tricks or secrets you are married? You said at least behind the uh, the scenes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Yes. Yes. Yeah, I am married. I was very lucky in that I met my husband uh, right after my narcissistic relationship that I had. And he had experienced trauma with his ex-wife that, you know, they just weren't meant for each other. You know, they tried, they cared very much about the other, but just communication wasn't there. But anyway, what I will say is it's not necessarily communication, but comprehension of what your partner is trying to say to you. It's also about setting and respecting boundaries. So when I say that, I'm not saying that you need to come up with a bunch of rules that are for your person to follow. You need to train. You don't need to train your person to be who you want them to be, but you have to know for yourself what your deal breakers are in a relationship, how you want to communicate in your relationship and, and be clear with What you're looking for is what you want. And if you don't know, that needs to be communicated also. No one is perfect. Everyone has flaws. And if you have someone who is willing to work with you to build a healthy relationship, you're not necessarily going to get it right right away. You know, Mm -hmm. it's but it takes effort from both sides. But at the end of the day, you know that you both mean well for each other and you're not.
0: That's the catch.
1: Yeah that you mean well for each other and that you respect each other's boundaries. And you have to want to be there, you know?
0: Would you recommend the Boundaries book by uh, Townsend, I think it is?
1: I have not read it, but it sounds like something oh. I should read.
0: <laughs> they have a boundaries for everything. Boundaries okay, right. for teenagers, boundaries for adults, boundaries for, I think it's something Townsend. Boundaries in dating as well. So it's, it's really cool, like Boundaries in Parenting. So all these different things where it teaches you what you're just talking about because... When I first read that book, uh, After My Divorce, one of those things I was like, oh, somebody recommended this book. This should be good. And I was like, oh, wow, look at this. This is interesting. Like it's a different – if you never really thought about it, you're like some stuff you're probably going to have because of just the way we are. And yeah. then you start to realize like, oh, this really helps with dating, I think, when I was going – when I was back out there, you know, I was like – Yeah. Trying to figure out – like what you said, like what are your deal breakers? It doesn't – I don't care what your deal breakers are, but if, if that's a deal breaker for you for some reason, hopefully it's something more important right. than like – you know, hair color, but.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. But hey, if, don't if be petty. Is, right, hey, but his deal breaker it is. But, oh, and, and one more, one more. But, um, the five love languages. Now, I know some people are going to eye roll on that for sure, because my husband.
0: Until they do it and it works.
1: Definitely is an eye roller off. But he read it. Well, it, but, and the reason being is because it's not that the five love languages are set in stone. You know, I, I truly do believe that there's different variations of a love language, but understanding what those are, what it means helps with the comprehension of what someone's trying to tell you. You know what I mean? So if I'm trying to say that I want my husband to, to vacuum more clean or, you know, whatever, which isn't a problem because I'm the one that has a problem with that. <laughs> but, um, anyway, if he's not doing it, but he doesn't understand why I'm getting mad. He just thinks that I'm nagging him. It comes down to breaking it down Relate it to something that he thinks is important. So in, I believe that love languages book, and I I can't remember the specific, well, this is how I remember it. And I could be wrong, but it was basically the wife wanted the husband to vacuum, clean, whatever. And he wasn't doing it. He wanted to be more intimate with her, but because he wasn't doing that, she didn't want to do that. And so they obviously had problems. Well, their therapist pointed out, okay, you vacuuming, doing the dishes for her, is just like how you feel when she has sex with you. And he was like, I'm vacuum twice a day. Let's do this. Like, let's get this done. Like I'm in, you know, but it was that point that he just didn't understand what that was like for her and why that was important for her. But acts of service was her love language, whereas physical touch was his. And so it, again, it's the comprehension of what someone's trying to say, you know, and what it means to them.
0: It's, it's helped so much. like with, with my marriage, because I know she's having a tough day and wants to talk about it or is crying about whatever. Okay. Just – it's the classic, guy. Like, don't fix it. Just be there. Give her a hug. Let her talk. And then that really helps. And it's But it, it works really well, and it doesn't take that much time. I think even quality time people, they don't need hours and hours. If you just give them 30 minutes to let them talk about their day or whatever it is, then they'll feel happy. And then they're like, all right, so I can go do my own thing now? Yeah. <laughs> We're good. We're good. I, you know <laughs> –
1: That would necessarily be quality time, but you know, but it's it's a good try. It's
0: a good try. The average, the average amount of time that she she's gonna ramble on about something. Not my wife, but in general.
1: on quality, though.
0: Yeah, you you always hear that people like, yeah, I was watching the football game and I was on my phone while she was telling me about her day. I'm like, yeah, that's not gonna count.
1: Yeah, that yeah, exactly right. Being present and listening. That yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: All right. Well, how can people follow you and contact you?
1: My username is the same on Instagram as it is on TikTok. It's KP underscore Stratman. Stratman is spelled S-T-R-A-A-M-A-N-N.
0: Thank you so much for being on the show. I do hope that uh, get some more followers. I mean, it'd be pretty hard to to gauge that, but um, I definitely think The topics you brought, people will understand it. They'll they'll resonate with them, and uh, hopefully they can pick up some of these books that you mentioned so they can get a little more aware for themselves, for the patients that they have to talk to every day, and uh, maybe even the way they interact with their own family. So really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much for having me on here. I was so excited that you asked me to do this. This was fantastic. I really appreciate it.
0: Another great interview has ended. While you're on your phone, click that review button. Write up a nice review for me. Five stars if you could. As everyone says in the industry, it'll help other people to find us when we have enough rankings. Not to mention, I'll mention you and your review on an upcoming episode. If you follow me at all on Instagram, you know you only get one link. So I use a Linktree. And so it's a doctorsperspective.net slash links with an S. And that's going to give you everything you need to know. The top episodes of 2017 and 2018, the podiatry series, dentist, acupuncture series, Holiday 2017 financial series, how to write a review, how to support the show, like buying a cup of coffee, getting swag, like T-shirts. The Today's choices Tomorrow's Health book. That's the blueprints for better health, exercise, picking food correctly and financial. And then, of course, bundle packs, which can get you the no-needle acupuncture book for 40 common conditions, including the electric acupuncture pin at a great deal page has some of the products that I like. It's uh, affiliate style, so if you buy something from them, I get a piece of that. Just like on the show notes pages, if you buy a book from clicking that link, I get a small piece of that as well. So I really appreciate that. Things like Screencast-O-Matic, VPN, Missing Letter, JLab Speakers, Prolone Edge or Hawk Grips. Uh, Once again, if you do need any coaching on how to improve some of your blood work, drop weight, and the ProLone diet, fast mimicking diet, five-day plan. Let me know as well as if you just need some coaching, whether it's health, whether it's marketing, whether you need some practice growth, etc. Reach out, Facebook, Justin Trostclair, MCC. Of course, at of doctorsperspective.net on the top right, you got all the social media icons that you can imagine. Click your favorite and reach out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please tell a friend, pass it along. You can go to .net slash listen. It's just that easy. It'll open up right in your app. And don't forget, I appreciate you. Listen, critically think, and integrate. See you on the mini-sodes. Hope you're enjoying those. I'm definitely having fun summarizing these podcasts in less than 10 minutes for you. You get the nuggets without having to waste your time. Have a great week. A Learn stories of success Avoid struggles. Sit back.